The Daily Ding is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. You know, I love going to basketball games, but what I really love is catching a great show like FK Twigs, who's coming to town. Game time is the best way to get tickets for everything from sporting events to going to see FK Twigs. With game time, you can just buy your tickets in just two taps. You know what I wish I could do in just two taps? Clean my house. Maybe I need a Roomba. Maybe I just need to try a little bit harder. But two taps, house is clean, watch sports all day. But until then, I've got game time. The game time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So download the game time app in the Google Play Store or the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic Podcast Network. The MVP frontrunner, if anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. Yeah. I'm right here in Beemore outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. Whoop. I'm about that. Whoop. Big trust. Whoop. 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 Lamar Jackson <laughs> in the flesh. <laughs> This all goes when I hope I have no friends. On Tyler Noah's ass should have got thrown out. If I was a ref, I would have tossed his ass. How dare you? Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Monday morning. We've got all of your NBA action from another weekend in the NBA. I'm Jared Weiss, Celtic staff writer for The Athletic, and I'm joined as always by producer Rob Lopez. But we're a little bit different this time because we're happy to welcome from Denver, The Athletic's Nuggets beat writer, Nick Kosminer, making his Daily Ding debut. What up, Nick? What up, Jared? Glad to be here, man. All right, so coming up on today's Daily Ding, the Nuggets, we're going to talk about them. Jamal outdueled job. Markel Fultz came up clutch. Trey Young and the Hawks had a rough weekend. But first, the Kings beat the Celtics 199 in Sacramento. The Celtics 10 game winning streak is snapped. It all came down to Marcus Smart putting up a floater on a broken play and the ball rolled around the rim, sat there for just a split second and then rolled out. It was just that close to another ridiculous comeback win for the Celtics. But this team could not stop Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald was the story of this game. He had 35 points, six boards, four steals. Nick, Buddy Heald's playing the best basketball of his career right now. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, started off just like kind of the rest of Sacramento's team slow this year. You know, wasn't getting in, in rhythm like he is right now. But tonight he was just fantastic. Under a minute to go, he you, you mentioned it. He was he was double team hits a hits kind of a fadeaway jumper to put Sacramento back up by one. You know, every big shot that they needed down the stretch. You know, he had it coming off screens, getting set, hit seven three pointers. He was just he was excellent all night. And, you know, I thought Bogdan Bogdanovich playing the point guard role with the Aaron Fox out play uh, played, I think, 31 minutes without a turnover and had a double double himself. So uh, they got contributions from everywhere. But certainly Buddy Heald was the story of the night. And after losing that really tough game on Friday night to the Lakers that, that could have gone either way, you know, you felt like the Kings kind of needed this one. And uh, they, they have the seventh best net rating in the league since November 1st. So they're starting to figure some things out. So, yeah, what was crazy about Bogdanovich is that he had 10 assists and no turnovers in this game. This was a very out of character game for him and really a lot of these Kings players. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's it's a young team. They remind me a lot of when I was covering the Nuggets when they were first kind of starting to climb that Western Conference ladder, starting to be 
become a team that people, you know, kind of have their antenna up for a little bit more where they have a lot of really talented young players, but they're still sort of figuring things out, a lot of mistakes, those kind of things. And, and so you've seen a lot of that with the Kings this year, but when you can get a performance out of a guy like Bogdan with the shooting that he brings um, to see him tonight, playmaking and, and doing so in an efficient way, um, you know, Luke Walton really had to love that because again, you, you want to have guys when De'Aaron Fox does come back, who, um, can take some of that pressure off of him. And, and so you can be multiple on offense. Uh, and if he's going to be able to be that efficient, obviously probably won't be to that degree every night. Um, but you love to see that element of his game and, and, you know, I'm, I'm high on him as a player, the way that he, he shoots the ball, just sort of his energy. Um, again, if he can add that playmaking element consistently, uh, he can be a real player. You know, the irony about this is that the Kings are looked at as a young upstart team, but I think the youngest guy that really played minutes tonight, uh, besides, I guess, Harry Giles, who played 10 minutes was, I guess, Bogdanovich or Heald that are both about 27 years old. Like it was all veterans out there and the Kings have really overhauled the roster. We saw Bialisa, who's in the prime of his career, who has been mostly a spot up guy, even though he's big. He was really impactful on the paint tonight. He had 14 boards, had some really tough finishes under the rim, uh, working out of the post. It was another uncharacteristic, uh, uncharacteristic performance for him. And then Corey Joseph, I thought, did a very nice job on Kemba Walker defensively. And he's someone who, you know, he doesn't do a ton for you I guess at this point of his career but could be really great in certain defensive matchups and Walker just never quite was able to take over this game the way that he's been able to take over in crunch time most of the game so far this year yeah I mean first of all I just want to say I'm glad that Nemanja uh, was able to survive the, the LeBron dunk on, on Friday night uh, lesser man might not have shown back up but he, he did and, and you're right he was he was really stout uh, on the boards all night long Corey Joseph you're right I thought played Kemba Walker as well as you could. The Sacramento Kings just kind of kept getting the one stop that they needed to have. Um, and, and I thought Rashawn Holmes, you know, the, the game against the Lakers on Friday night, uh, he was also really excellent. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Kenneth Fareed in, in terms of just the, the different things that he brings. A lot of rebounding, runs the floor hard, gives you good defense, um, and is just that injection of energy that I think carries them in a way that uh, they didn't have before he got there. I, I like the way he played in Phoenix last year. So he's another guy. I think that when they get all their pieces back and can kind of figure out where he fits in and spot minutes, uh, he'll continue to be a big boost for them too. Going over to the Celtics, their winning streak is snapped. They have, I mean, they at least have Cantor back now and he's playing pretty decently. His physicality was really valuable in this one. They had Shemi Ojale with 11 points off the bench. They've been kind of constantly changing up who is coming in at the back end of the rotation. Uh, but the big story is that Jason Tatum has not really had a strong shooting night in about a week and a half or so. And their offense has been the number one offense in the league for so long or for so long throughout the season. And they're still number one, but their early starts are really hurting them. And I'm curious, comparing them to the team that you cover. I mean, what are you seeing as far as Boston not being able to really get things going early in the game? Well, that that's the same problem that the Nuggets are struggling with right now. Um, they, they, they've gone into games where. They they will. Atlanta was a perfect example. The game that they lost to Trey Young and the Hawks last week, they jump out to a 12-0 lead. But by the end of the first quarter, uh, they're down by five, and and then it just steamrolled from there. So they're and, and even tonight in the game that they won over the the Grizzlies, they were up nine to two, and then we're down double digits about four minutes later. So they are they're they're forcing themselves to have to to have to get back into into games later. And you you expend a lot of a lot of capital doing that, and I, you're seeing that as you said with the Celtics, 
is, is the same sort of way to where you're having to fight. You're having to kind of be not have as much margin for error in the second half and in the fourth quarter. And you saw some of that in a, in a really close one possession game that comes back to bite you a little bit. So yeah, Jason Tatum to me, I'm, I'm not really concerned. I, I think that uh, we, we saw at the very start of the season that he really seems to have it, have it going, have that rhythm. Um, I'm not going to get too concerned with him in terms of having a, having a week or so where the shot's not falling. Saw the same thing with Jamal Murray. He was one of 11 in their win over the nets the other night and then comes back tonight and has a season high 39. So Jason Tatum will, will bounce back. I thought Jalen Brown, uh, hit some big shots tonight and, and obviously Marcus smart as he always does, uh, plays hard. But, um, you know, again, that, that shot toward the end or at the, at the buzzer, um, the, <laughs> he said afterwards, he, I, I, we all thought that was down and, um, that's that's the way it went. Well, you tell you if you want to want to get the true Marcus Smart experience, just go back and watch the last few minutes of this game. It really had everything imaginable from Smart. He is one of the great shows to watch in the NBA, even if he doesn't actually execute and close the game out half of the time. Your sweatpants are on for the day, but you're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza. Enter DoorDash, restaurant-quality food with a living room dress code. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite, too. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code DING. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code DING. Don't forget that's promo code DING for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. The Lakers against the Hawks, they win 122-101 to 101, right in front of Kobe Bryant. The legend was back there with his daughter, got a standing ovation walking off during the fourth quarter, which I thought was a pretty ironic vintage Kobe Bryant move there. But so uh, he was the main storyline of this game, just the fact that he was there. He dapped up LeBron before LeBron drained a jumper, uh, applauded a big Danny Green dunk. I think that covers all the Kobe news I have to give tonight. But the Hawks cut that huge lead that the Lakers had down in single digits in the second and third. But uh, the Lakers are able to hold strong in this one. Trey Young had 31 points. LeBron had 33, 12 assists and seven boards. Kyle Kuz Kuzma is alive again. He had 17 points coming off the bench, and it was fun watching Rajon Rondo playing basketball again this year. It's the first time I got to catch him. He had 15 points and three dimes. Uh, but Nick, this was fun to watch LeBron and Trey kind of have their own little back and forth duel. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, this has been a really long road trip for the Hawks. They they left one week ago, five games. They they obviously had the really big win in Denver where Trey Young scored 42 points and was just mind bending with some of the stuff that he was doing. And he showed flashes of that tonight. Like you said, 31 points, seven assists, three rebounds, hit a couple of, uh, you know, shots from, from, from San Diego. Like he was, he was, he was really good tonight, but the same problem with the Hawks is as soon as he sits, I know he was a minus 16 cause every, everybody was in, in the negatives, but they, they lose all momentum when he goes out of the game that they're just sort of the, the rest of their roster right now is a disaster in terms of being able to play, make and, and hit shots and, and create scoring opportunities if he's not on the floor. So uh, you saw a lot of that again tonight and uh, they just didn't have enough at the end at the end of a really long road trip. This was all Lakers who, you know, after after that really tough game again, beating Sacramento, grinding that one out on Friday night, you, you could have that Hawks coming to town you know, a team you can take lightly, all that kind of thing. But 
what what impresses me about the Lakers and particularly LeBron James is they're just not they're just not allowing for that this year. They're they're not they're not passing over these kind of games in, in terms of their energy and effort level. So uh, you you saw that again, and, and they're just they're just really good right now. So are you saying that Cam Reddish is not the answer at backup point guard? <laughs> I mean, I'll give I'll, I guess I'll give him more than, uh, you know, 12 games into his his NBA career. But I uh, have my doubts. He did have 13 points tonight, so he had an explosive uh, third quarter that kind of helped them stay in this one. Uh, but then going over to the Lakers, Kuzma is starting to look like himself again. He had that huge dunk. And Danny Green also had a massive dunk. That was a pretty incredible one. But is is Kuz back? I, I think so. I mean, he had he had the big game. He, he had the big game a couple a couple nights ago against the Suns. Um, had a really nice post move in, inside against Char- Chandler Parsons tonight. Made him look kind of goofy. Uh, again, they, they don't need him to be, they don't need him to be a star. They don't need him to score 25 points or anything like that, but they do need that consistent third guy because teams are going to do everything they can, even though it's impossible to, to load up on LeBron James and Anthony Davis, uh, obviously can't take both of those guys away, but even with that star duo, you still need a, a guy you can count on consistently. And, and Kuzma, um, look, he, he, by default, he's, be, he's become that guy, um, uh, just because of what's left on their roster. But again, they, they get contributions from Rajon Rondo who knocked down a couple three pointers to stem that first Hawks tied, uh, when, when, as you said, they cut the, the lead to single digits, uh, Rondo hit a couple threes and, and the Lakers were off again. So, um, I like the way Kuzma's playing. I think he's starting to get, uh, comfortable with, with LeBron and AD and, uh, you know, they, they just need to keep that going. Cause again, they'll need his consistency. Never thought I'd hear the phrase Rondo hit a couple threes in my entire life. I know <laughs> it's true. Know. Uh, and, uh, just a uh, Dwight Howard MVP watch alert. He had two points tonight. So his lead in the MVP race is probably tangible at this point. So we'll see what happens there. Let's get to some news here. The Golden State Warriors guard D'Angelo Russell is out at least two weeks because of a sprained right thumb. I'm shocked that it's anything less than two months. Maybe they do want to go for the title this year after all. But the Lakers guard, Avery Bradley, is also out one to two weeks with a hairline leg fracture. That's a pretty remarkable one. Uh, Carmelo Anthony is not expected to make his Blazers debut versus the Rockets on Monday. Could appear on Tuesday at New Orleans. And then they travel to Milwaukee on Thursday. Paul George made his Clippers home debut and he had 37 points in 20 minutes. That was pretty remarkable. Uh, they won 150 to 101 against the Hawks in that game. It turns out they didn't need Kawhi. And I guess the real question is, will he ever play with Kawhi? Uh, also, well, he will play with Jerome Robinson, who had 21 points. Uh, then on Saturday, the Bucks beat the Pacers 102 to 83. In that game, the Pacers became the first team in three years to score less than 85 points on 100 field goal attempts since the 2016 Indiana Pacers. And it was the 30th time that has happened in the last 30 years. You got to love statistical symmetry. Last bit here, the Raptors general manager, Bobby Webster, says the Raptors are not giving rings to Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, and CJ Miles, all who were on the team and then were involved in the Marcus Hull trade in the middle of last year. He said, it's not an easy decision, but to be honest, I think it's standard. I mean, we did our homework, we talked to teams, and I think, I don't remember, there was maybe one scenario where a team offered one. I think it was Anderson Verjao and Golden State, but I think it was a really unique circumstance. It's Obviously not a feel-good thing, but I think that's the way the leak is. That was per Mike Ganser of the Toronto Sun. Now, 
he's talking about Anderson Verizhao having a part of the Golden State uh, team. But like Jonas Valanciunas was there for a very long time and was a part of that team for most of the season, as was DeLon Wright and CJ Miles. So, Nick, I don't understand the logic here. Yeah, I, I don't either. And I also don't understand what like what is the detriment to giving players rings? Like it's certainly not the money. It's it's not. Is it convenience? That That's the part that I don't understand of if there's even any doubt or if, if any team has ever given a ring to a guy that got traded, why would you not want to join that company? I just don't understand like what the gain is by not giving these guys who listen, you, your, your seating in the playoffs is a large part of how you get to where you're trying to go, getting the matchup that you want, getting the home court advantage. And obviously it was Kawhi Leonard that lifted them to the NBA title, but those guys, Valanchunas, Delon Wright, CJ miles, they all helped them get to the seating that they, that they needed in order to perform well in the playoffs. And so to me, it just doesn't make sense that, that this is the way that it's going, because again, I don't see the gain for not giving them the rings. And these were guys that were there for some time. It wasn't like it was someone who was just there and it wasn't like it was a bit player at the back of the bench. that didn't really contribute anything. These guys were core rotation players or even a starter. And it, I, I'm I'm blown away by this. It is the one place you just don't cheap out. It's it's a thank you to the people that contributed to your franchise. And it, I was mentioning this to Rob earlier. It reminded me of a clip from uh, the association a couple of years ago where Jonas Valanciunas goes up to Masai Ujiri and asks him, are you going to trade me for Andre Drummond? And Masai laughs it off saying, oh, there's no way I'm going to trade you. And then, of course, <laughs> a year, I guess they probably cut out the part where he said, unless it's for Marcus Gasol, because – that it's one thing to be heartless as a GM. That's fine. But to do it like this, that there's just no gain from it. Well, that's the whole thing is you punished him enough because you took him off the team that, that won a championship that he again, played, played a pretty significant role on. I mean, he, he wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't the key player on their team or the key one or two players, but he was, he was a significant person in that organization, as you mentioned for quite a long time. And then he gets sent to a rebuilding Memphis team. That's tanking for the the lottery. So I feel like the least you could do after, after sending him, uh, sending him to Memphis is, uh, Hey man, sorry about that. Here, here, here's your ring. Nice and shiny for you. Um, it's a weird one. It doesn't make sense. I covered baseball for a while. I mean, if, if you're an assistant clubhouse manager, um, you know, you, you, you get a ring. And, and I think in the NBA, right. That the guys within the organization, everybody gets one. So, to me, those guys play just as much role as, as anybody else in the organization uh, up and down the ladder that, that's getting a ring. So it, it's a, like you said, it's a weird, weird place to cheap out. Let's get to the rest of the games here. The 76ers beat the Cavs 114 and 95 in Cleveland. It was never close. The Sixers were up 75 44 in the third quarter. Tobias Harris was a star of the show with 27 points, five boards, and four dimes. Joel had 14, and so did James Ennis. 14 points for him off the bench and 13 points for four Concord Maz coming off the bench. Colin 16 put up, Colin Sexton put up 17, actually. Jordan Clarkson had 15 off the bench, and then Tristan Thompson. And Caleb both at 12 points. The Magic beat the Wizards 125 to 121 in Orlando. Despite Bradley Beal's 34 point performance, 
Markel Fultz literally stole the game. He had a career high 19 points and then stole the ball from Bradley Beal, came, went down the court and threw it down to put the magic up five with about 35 seconds left. Huge play for him. Huge moment for him in his career as he continues to make a pretty remarkable comeback with the magic. Um, 30 points and 17 boards and six assists for Nikola Vucevic in the win. And Evan Fournier had 25 points and nine assists. Pretty impressive performances there. The Pelicans beat the Warriors 108 to 100 in New Orleans. It was a battle of the injured teams. Draymond Green was the starting point guard, for God's sakes. Kai Bowman had 19 points off the bench, but JJ Redick had 26 points in this one. Drew Holiday had an ugly shooting night, but he still had 22 points, nine dimes, and eight rebounds, which was impressive. And then all 35 of the bench points for Nola came from the Kale Alexander Walker and Nicola Melli, who had a pretty huge three to basically ice the game. But the Pellies in this one were without Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Jalil Ogafor, and Frank Jackson. So they were pretty much the Warriors in this one. But let's talk about the Denver Nuggets. They beat the Grizzlies 131 to 114 in Memphis. Nick was back home in Denver, so he could take some time to talk to me about this one. Jamal Murray, pretty good in this one. 39 points for him and eight assists. Is Jamal Murray starting to turn the corner here as an all-star scorer? You know, I think he is because of the consistency. Last year, he vacillated a lot between having these kind of games like the 48 point game against the Celtics that then turned around and became an eight point night the next night, you know, and then two days later, he had a 40 point game that was followed by a 10 point game. So going into the year, the whole thing was, listen, you're getting this max contract. You're you're trying to ascend to this all star level. You can't have these like off nights all the time. You, you have to you have to be this consistent guy for us. And and Michael Malone's big thing to him is if that means that you're not shooting the ball well, you got to find other ways to help us. And and he's done that tonight. Even with the 39 points, I thought the eight assists uh, were impressive. He he had 11 assists in the big win over Philly a couple weeks ago. So he's starting to become uh, a much more capable playmaker, which early in his career wasn't wasn't necessarily something you thought would come quickly. And uh, again, he he's he can have these kind of heaters where he he had the first nine points of the game for the Nuggets and kept going from there. So I, I do think Jamal Murray is starting to take that step. Uh, hit seven three pointers tonight, which was which was a big a big sign that I think his shooting's coming around because he's been settling for a lot of mid range stuff. Um, shot it with confidence tonight, and that's a big deal because Denver hasn't been shooting the ball well from the outside. And if he can kind of key them, uh, then I think that'll be a big boon for their offense. Well, they need him because Jokic is still struggling. He had uh, nine points and eight assists in this game. What What's going on? Just take me. Sorry from the beginning. Yeah, you know, it's I think there's some mental fatigue there um, because he's a guy that's been prone to it in the past. Um, you know, he's a guy that gets that gets homesick. And, and quite frankly, he did not get to spend much time in Serbia uh, this summer. He was he was with the Serbian national team, but they were, of course, all over the world. Um, and when the, the FIBA World Cup ended, uh, which was a disappointing run for that team, they finished fifth, weren't anywhere near what they wanted to do in the World Cup. And, um, you know, just didn't really play well. I don't think it was a super enjoyable experience. And so, uh, you know, you come back off of that just a couple weeks uh, at home before coming home for training camp. And he just hasn't been right mentally. There's certainly been some flashes uh, of the old Nikola Jokic, the huge, you know, he had back-to-back game winners against the 76ers and Minnesota Timberwolves last weekend. So, you know, he still has, has he still has that in him. And, and I think that 
Um, you, you saw him passing well tonight, eight assists. Again, he, he kind of had it going, but yeah, they're going to definitely need him to be more consistent, more kind of an every night guy. And again, settling for too many three pointers. I, I think too many outside shots. Um, he needs to get his offense going in the paint and, and that's just something he hasn't done consistently. So whether it's all mental fatigue, whether he's, he's a little bit overweight and out of shape and he'll, he'll work into it. Um, I don't know, but I do think Nicole Jokic has been more kind of mentally into the game the last couple of weeks. Uh, and again, the Nuggets have won six out of seven without him having played at his best or, or really anything close to what we could consider his best basketball. So I, I think on the one hand, that that's the the glass half full approach to it. Uh, you know, the other concern is, you know, is this is this a long term thing of him? Um, you know, not playing with that same edge that we saw in the playoffs. I think he'll get it back, but the, the, he needs it needs to happen for the Nuggets sooner rather than later. All right. Well, let's not forget the Grizzlies here. Jaron Jackson Jr. had 22 points and went five for seven from deep. Brandon Clark, maybe actually rookie of the year this year, had 19 points and five rebounds, but he also has to compete with his teammate, John Morant, 13 points and six assists. And then the favored son of Toronto, Jonas Valanciunas, had 16 points and 10 rebounds in that game as the Nuggets beat the Grizz 131 to 114. Now, let's get to the line of the night. On Friday, there were a couple big ones. James Harden had 44 points on 26 field goal attempts, which is a lot better than the next night where he had 49 points on 41 field goal attempts. And then Bradley Beal had 44 points and 10 assists, yet another 44-point game for him. On Saturday, Devontae Graham, who I'm going to give it to for the weekend, he had 29 points and the buzzer beater at MSG. Giannis had a pretty impressive game, including uh, holding the Pacers down to the 83 points on 100 field goal attempts. He had 26 points, 13 boards, and six dimes. We already talked about Paul, Paul George's ridiculous 37 points in 20 minutes. But from Sunday's action, Brad Beal with a 34-point game. Buddy healed 35 points and 7 for 12 deep shooting against the Celtics in that win. We already mentioned Vucevic's stat line, but Eric Paschal had 30 points. Another huge performance for him. But I'd imagine you might want to be giving it to the guy that lives down the street. Jamal Murray had 39 points and eight assists in that win. Yeah, you know, he's certainly a great candidate. He's the first nugget to score over 30 points uh, tonight, and they needed a guy to kind of to go off. But I, I think that even without Jamal's big night, the, the bench played really well. That was a route kind of from start to finish, and he only had to play three quarters. I'm giving it to Buddy Hill. 35 points, had a couple huge shots down the stretch, um, lifted them to a win over a team that had won 10 straight games. Uh, so for me, about 35 points, seven three-pointers is, uh, is the line of the night. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's show. So don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We still have your favorite shows like Back to Back, No Dunks, Tampering, and House of Strauss, plus over a dozen team-specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers such as Nick Kosmider. So don't forget to follow on the app to get notifications for the new episodes. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, you're in luck because you can get all of our podcasts ad-free plus some fantastic writing across all major sports, all for a super low price. You get 40% off your subscription today at theathletic.com slash dings. That is theathletic.com slash dings. You never know when these promos end, so get there soon. So thank you for waking up with us. Nick, take us out of here. Ding, ding. Ding, ding.